0: All right, welcome back, everybody, to season three, episode seven of the Building Lifelong Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Renke. Thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Today, we're talking all about prolotherapy injections. Now, these are kind of a more niche injection that aren't as widely known as steroid injections, but there's a really, really couple good use cases for them. We're gonna talk about the definitions today, the mechanism, you know, when we use them, how we use them, so all that stuff, so let's dive right in. let's have a definition right so in a definition of prolotherapy is an injection of an irritant into a joint space tendon ligament or soft tissue structure as means of improving pain so like I said that's kind of a generic catch-all of everything but what we're doing is we're putting in an injection of something in your body that your body's gonna recognize as an irritant and then try to stir things up so the whole idea behind this is we're putting something that's gonna irritate that tendon joint space structure whatever it is we're trying to irritate it so that your body says hey what is that? Something's going on here. Let's, let's put in some work and try to get this to calm down. And so that's the whole idea behind that. We're trying to start up in terms of how it works. We're not entirely sure on that at all. It's up for debate. Like I said, there's lots of literature about like why we might think it may work or some ideas. There's a couple of of ideas and some main ones we talk about, it might be chemical trauma, mechanical trauma, or nerve involvement. So we're going to break each one of those down. So we're talking about chemical trauma, mechanical trauma, and nerve involvement. So from a chemical trauma perspective, right, we are injecting something. Typically it's dextrose. This is the most common prolotherapy. There's been some older studies using various other things, but right now, I'd say dextrose prolotherapy is probably the biggest injection, you know, injectate that is being used, and what the idea is behind this is, you know, dextrose, which is essentially sugar, you know, this dextrose gets transported by like glute one or four channels in the cell, so if we go back to, like, carbohydrate metabolism, like, how glucose is taken up by cells, these are these glute transporters, and these glute transporters take this dextrose into these cells you know in the area around the injection right so let's say we inject the knee joint the tissues and the cells around the knee joint start absorbing this dextrose right so what this might might happen is this leads to an osmotic effect which increases the release of water and lipids from nearby cells and then essentially creates low-grade inflammation in the area right so we are once again Sugars getting taken in by the cells. Cells are like, whoa, what's going on? They kind of produce all these lipids and some some inflammation. And then what that low grade inflammation locally does, this produces cytokines and activates fibroblasts, chondrocytes, and nerve cells. So like what that means is essentially step one, inject the injectate right so something that's stirring it up step two is that then we say oh like this is kind of going on they kind of create some low level inflammation and then your body ramps it up and says okay well, let's bring in the big gun we're reading some cytokines fibroblasts chondrocytes so fibroblasts are responsible for you know creating growth factors chondrocytes important for making you know ca- you know cartilage and whatnot and so like i said it's kind of just trying to stimulate all these things there, trying to irritate it saying hey something's going on and we need you know to bring in the reserves kind of it's almost like we're triggering an immune response it's not an immune reaction i want to be clear on that it's not like hey this is a foreign an immune response but essentially your body recognizes something's foreign right and that's essentially what's happening here is that, hey like something's going on and then your body produces inflammation because that's the best way it knows how to handle anything hey there's an irritant boom inflammation it just brings everything around to try- trying to get it better like i said it's not as specific as hey brings this one thing but your body's really good like an on off switch like on i mean hey there's trauma here something's going on. Let's get some help. And that's essentially what they're doing. There's been studies showing that a 12.5% dextrose solution is kind of, you know, the area where we start to see in inflammation or not meaning if it's below that we tend to not have the inflammatory response if it's above that we tend to see that you know one study showed that a 12.5 percent dextrose solution triggered chondrogenesis which is chondrogenesis essentially um, ramping up of the cartilage cells which is pretty cool like i said that has not been reproduced a ton of times and that's just kind of mechanistically so i'm not saying if you get prolotherapy injection you are going to increase your cartilage back but like i said that's kind of the idea is that we're putting in this irritant so this higher concentration of dextrose to kind of create this inflammatory response that is chemical trauma right so mechanical trauma now This is going hand in hand with that injection, right? So anytime we're bringing a needle into the area to drop off the injectate, we're gonna do some mechanical trauma as well right we did the chemical by injecting what we had in there and now mechanical is like well you're rubbing a needle on there it's going to cause that but a lot of times with this injection we'll also have additional needling so it will do direct needling um, with the, the needle kind of going multiple passes through the area just to kind of irritate it specifically and the idea is that when we do that it may stimulate repair by releasing certain healing factors things like gene related protein uh, bradykinin prostaglandin once again just releasing all this good stuff and so the idea is that we get chemical and mechanical trauma together to essentially just make whatever area we're going at really angry. And that's like the big thing. That's why I, this falls under that pro-inflammatory injections that we talked about before in terms of this is essentially chronic kind of making it angry and it's not going to feel great, but that's the whole intended mechanism behind it, right? And then we also have nerve involvement, right? So like when you might be saying like, what nerve involvement, how does that make sense? Well, we're not entirely sure, but Sometimes the way we kind of been seeing here, the prolotherapy may actually activate pain receptors and then down-regulate them by things like substance P and CGRP and nitric oxide. And so the idea is that for whatever reason, this dextrose, this foreign substance, you know, kind of might actually down-regulate our nerve responses. So that might be why we get some of the pain response from these. Once again, these are all theoretical. Nothing is set in stone in terms of prolotherapy literature. It's not the most robust thing in the world. So there are a decent amount of studies, but it's if anyone says they completely understand the mechanism of this, they're probably lying. But the general idea is we're creating chemical and mechanical trauma to then bring up inflammation and healing factors and trying to just help your body augment its natural healing response. And there's also been some literature kind of saying, hey, could it possibly strengthen or tighten tendons? Like that is very um, not clear at all in terms of it's pretty far-fetched in terms of the data doesn't necessarily support that. There's some data that say that may or may not, like I said, but I'm not thinking there's going to be some magical property. But once again, what we might be doing is augmenting the structures in the area and creating this inflammatory response. Then we see kind of that tightening of the tendons there as well. So... Moving on to that, what we want to talk about is the different techniques, right? So there are various techniques and protocols. If you see one person do this, you've probably seen one person do this. You know, like I said, it's not the most widespread injection, so it's kind of like who you've learned from, right? So like these disciples of this program do it this way, and you learned here, so you do something different. So just something to consider everyone's going to do a little different at the end of the day usually the injections are around 10 to 25 percent solution most of the time that can vary obviously depending on different use cases and we'll talk about that later but about 10 to 25 percent a very common thing is you mix in a one-to-one ratio of d50 so you get one of those vials of d50 that you use for when you have hypoglycemia in the hospital mix that with lidocaine or saline or what have you whatever combo you want and then you dilute that down so it becomes a 25 percent solution right so we go from that d50 down to the d25 you can also dilute all the way down to a D 12.5, 10, all these random things. So, that being said, and then obviously on top of this, we are injecting with a needle. So, the needle is combined with this and commonly used as an irritant. There's a technique called peppering where essentially you take the needle, get down to the bone, and just hammer away with the needle. So, you make multiple passes in and out, you're touching the bone. You know, usually we do this with lidocaine. So, as we're going, we're putting lidocaine so it becomes numb and you just feel pressure. But that's kind of what we call peppering. And a lot of times that's at origins of tendons or insertions of tendons meaning when I say just to the bone, not just randomly go into the bone, but there are some people that do that in different protocols around the knee, like I said, but that is one idea is peppering where we're essentially really doubling down on that mechanical trauma and just go in there with the needle, multiple passes and whatnot. In terms of other, in terms of timing of this, also it's usually done in a series of injections. So not a one and done. So like a lot of the injections we talked about before are, hey, you get one, you come back in whatever, how many months, three to six months or a year, whatever you need. This one is usually in a series. The idea is that we're gonna probably inject this anger things up things will start to calm down and just as it's starting to get back to normal we re-anger it again and so usually we bring it back for two three four type of injections and a lot of times it's in a series and bringing it back anywhere from every three to six kind of weeks is how we go so you know a typical protocol for me just because we're booking out a little bit will be hey we'll get you doing this and we'll get you back in four to six weeks depending on clinical availability but like i said once it starts to kind of calm down we'll re-trigger things to kind of get going so usually we try to give a couple and like i said it's not torture when we do these. We do the de- peppering, but like the needles are usually not too big. So it's not like we're going in necessarily with a huge, huge needle. But that being said, if we are going with a big needle, we'll try to get some lidocaine or an anesthetic there because we're not trying to torture anybody. But that's the general idea for tendon stuff, right? So that's tendon stuff. Other injections, you know, you can use it for arthritis of the knee. You can just inject it like normal, right? So you go into the joint space, inject it, bada bing, bada boom, you're done. But this is like kind of the unique one I wanted to talk about was this fenestration and kind of peppering and this kind of needle tenotomy is what it's called. And we talk about patient considerations, you know, risks, benefits, all that stuff. Risks are like any other injection, right? Pain, pain, bleeding, risk of infection, could have damage to a nearby structure. But, you know, the new thing is kind of we could have some nerve irritation from a chemical agent. So that dextrose can sometimes be irritating. And once again, when we are doing this injection, it is never just a standalone treatment. It's always with PT, kind of get stuff going, make sure we're getting the body moving, be strong, kind of working on therapy and end goal there. So it's not a standalone injection as well. In terms of literature, we're going to talk about this. There's not a ton of data. There's lots of small sample sizes. And at the end of the day, though, the big buckets it kind of falls into are tendons and osteoarthritis. So the most data that we have is either for tendons or osteoarthritis. For tendons, overall, it seems to be beneficial for many different tendons. You know, the best data is usually on lateral epicondylopathy, or you know, tennis elbow we call, rotator cuff tendinopathy, Achilles tendinopathy, and then also kind of group plantar fasciopathy into that as well. It's not a per se tendon, but that's kind of where it goes in as well. So like I said, those are the most studied ones, but the general idea and a lot of times what we do is we extract this idea that, hey, you're having this tendon issue here. Let's try it there. Obviously, you know, lateral epicondylopathy is common, but it doesn't mean we can't try it on the medial, right? It's still the same idea that, hey, we have an Flame irritated tendon on the medial side as opposed to lateral, we could try it there. So like I said, it's really endless. Wherever there's a tendon, we could try it, but those are the where that's where the most data is, really. On top of that, for OA, there's some decent data on hands and some data on knee as well. Both, you know, these have had solid outcomes, just not a ton of of data on those, but like I said, it's a reasonable thing to try from a injection mechanism perspective you know this is one of those ones where are we getting that pain and those nerve fibers kind of decreasing their sensitivities that's what's happening is that why we're having any effect at all with oa because it doesn't really make sense like hey i just put sugar in the knee why would it you know i'm not doing anything in terms of irritating but the idea is maybe hey we're creating irritation it's bringing some healing factors maybe we're desensitizing nerves a little bit once again mechanism is not sure but it seems to be to work and it has some decent data on it there's also a decent amount of studies on low back pain. So what we call, quote, non-specific low back pain, which is back pain we can't truly identify where it's coming from. They're kind of mixed results on that in terms of where they're injecting, and what they're doing. There's just a lot of heterogeneity in the data itself. So it's difficult to necessarily know. It seems like though the best use case seems to be SI joint injections. So the sacred iliac joint, we can have sometimes pain there and sometimes prolotherapy injections can be helpful. So I want to talk about a couple comparisons as well in terms of prolo versus random things. So there are, you know, various studies looking at prolo versus saline right and so a lot of times for saline it did seem there there's some slight improvements at six months to a year with prolo versus saline and that's like always my always the funniest thing that i think is we look at these studies and look at this injection versus that injection or this injection versus saline it's like in saline still gets benefit for a lot of patients so that's one of those things like we clearly don't understand completely what's going on there. Anyone who says like, hey, we're doing this because we don't understand completely. Like they're lying. There's no way because like we can inject saline in the knee and people get benefits from it. And that's like, I'm not saying that's wrong. Obviously, if you're injecting saline, not telling your patient and telling it something else that is ethically, you know, questionable for sure. But that being said, like it seems like just by injecting something into various knees or tendons, whatnot, people get benefit. It's essentially a placebo effect potentially, but there may be something to actually just causing irritation inside the knee i'm not sure but long story short it seems like at six months of the year prolo is a little better when they compare prolo versus exercise both seem to help so that's important there hey if exercise is still really good for you um but prolo also seems to help then seems prolo seems a little better at one month to 12 months but not necessarily right away so like in the first couple of weeks that seems to be a common theme is that like prolo therapy is not going to make you feel awesome like if you do get a steroid injection and then check like a week or two later, like they're probably gonna be feeling better at therapy. That may not be the case. And so that's why we usually give this a series and sequence. You know, I've had people come back to me at like four weeks and say, ah, it's not doing anything. I said, okay, let's give it a try. Let's give it one more. And they have really good benefit from it. So it kind of goes hit or miss there for everyone. But like I said, one thing I will constantly say is like, hey, I don't expect this to be awesome right away. That's not what I expect at all. And so when we're talking about prolo versus PRP, so prolo versus PRP, there's similar kind of results there. No significant difference at six or 12 months. And so that can be, also kind of consider a good thing obviously PRP is super expensive and obviously it all depends on the use case right so some studies will show it's inferior in this case and better like long like just overview here I'm not breaking down specific studies seems to be kind of similar to PRP in in a couple studies that I've seen and when compared to steroids also similar effects to steroids is what they're saying so when I say similar effects means hey pain controls essentially the big things I'm looking at there and we know steroids we know what they can offer and they can be really helpful for decreasing pain but also can be a obviously cardiotoxic, can have all the different issues we have. That decrease the immune system, so it's one of those things. So, at the end of the day, like the most common use cases are gonna be tendon and arthritis, and they seem to work pretty decent for that. Like it's worth a shot, pun intended. And that's kind of like I said, so that's our motto: Hey, it's worth a shot. We can try this, and it's it's what we what we can do. But that being said, we have to understand the limitations of this. Right, there's not a huge robust ton of evidence but i think it is something that most people can do and tolerate really well like i said the cool thing is it is very well tolerated it's safe it's easily accessible that's the one thing that i really like about that it's, it's dextrose right like everyone has this in the hospital although there was a big shortage during the pandemic it was hard yet now they have it and the, the thing is though it's also not covered by insurance a lot of times that's the bummer but it should not be as expensive as prp you know i said on the open market i said i currently don't work on the open market i work in a government system so and i'm i can't necessarily say this is exactly what the price is but from what i've talked to my colleagues is you know prp is anywhere from like a thousand dollars plus and prolotherapy can be like two to five hundred dollars so it's not nearly as expensive and can be something you can try i would pretty much always try this before trying prp that's just me personally prp is like i said a little less accessible, more expensive, and this should be less expensive and more accessible. And so I will pretty much try this as like a gateway into like PRP. You know, I think you can save money and time and a lot of times might get really, really good benefits from it. So, you know, I think that People will start using this more and more uh, as we learn more about it, potentially as an alternate option. Obviously, PRP is getting really popular. We'll talk about that in a future podcast. But for me, this is kind of that like sweet in between, right? Like we're hitting the regenerative medicine injection, but we don't have the huge cost associated with stem cells PRP. But also we feel good about it because we know like it's just dextrose, right? Like people get sugar all the time. We eat it, uh, we get it like injected, like I said, if we're hypoglycemic. And so we're really comfortable with using this. And so that kind of gives us a, a little more leash to use this in various ways that maybe we don't have a robust literature set on you know hey oh maybe it's, like i said for that medial elbow issue we can try that hey for i've got this rotator cuff issue here oh i've got the subscapularis instead of super you know, all these things that we can try and we understand like, hey mechanistically this should be fine side effect profile wise this should be safe and so Kind of gives us a little more leash to say, hey, we can try this and use it. And so, like I said, I think it's very reasonable to try. I think personally, the best results that I've seen and the data are probably with tendons. And this is usually my bread and butter. And so, with this, we're doing something called a needle tenotomy. Like I said, that's where we go, the, the, bring the needle in, in and out and kind of fenestrating and peppering the bone. That whole thing is a prolotherapy injection with needle tenotomy. And we can talk more about tenotomy techniques if you want to, but that's kind of my bread and butter for using this. It kind of irritates it, irritates the tendon, kind of helps it. And once again, any injection that you're doing it's going to do better when you're physically active as well we're kind of getting things rolling i never want to just inject you and you just sit there and do nothing obviously there are certain cases where that has to be the case but that's not what we're going for and so like i said at the end of the day that's what i use for um i think i said i like the fact that it's widely available that people tolerate it really well and we can use it for a bunch of different things and feel pretty good about that so um, that's it for today. I really appreciate you listening. If you would please like, comment, share, subscribe, or share this with a friend, that would really mean the world to me and get the word out. I'd really appreciate that. So, but thanks again for tuning in. Now, get off your phone, get outside, enjoy your day. We'll see you next time. Disclaimer this podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that the science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.